This morning, who was here this morning? There was that song that the choir was singing, that massive song about the gates opening and the King of Glory coming in. Do you remember that one? I actually thought that the Lord might decide, oh, well, let's go back, let's come back. It was just an incredible moment, wasn't it? It was like, oh, this is, we are touching heaven here, and I know that this is the, this is the song that Jesus is really looking forward to us singing. It's fantastic. And um, thank you for your hospitality, your good southern hospitality. Um, my, my daughter, it's her first time in the United States, and she's come here. How bizarre is that? Of all the places she could have gone, this is it. It's, it's all your fantastic... Yeah, yeah, it's great. And she's loving it. So um, thank you very much for being so, uh, so kind to her and to, to us. Uh, we really like it here. Uh, we're talking today about actually, actually giving it a go. Giving it a go. Giving something a go. I'm going to try it. We have this phrase in England, giving it a go. I'm going to give it a go. Uh, it's not really a, a massively confident, right, I know exactly what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go. I don't know if you have that phrase. We're going to try something out. Do you have that phrase? Not, yeah, kind of, kind of, okay. Well, we have that phrase. I'm going to keep on saying it until it drills into our heads. Going to give it a go. Why not? Let's give it a go. So all about going, all about going. We'll, we'll start off with um, reading the Bible. And here we've got some, uh, some words of Jesus where he, he says to his friends, okay, I want you to give it a go. Just give it a go. See what happens, give it a go. And so uh, the, the words will be on the screen, and I'll read them. And it's from Luke chapter 10. Okay. So, now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go, behold, look, I send you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money belt, no bag, no shoes. Greet no one on the way. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. But if not, it will return to you. Stay in that house, eating and drinking what they give you, for the laborer is worthy of his wages." Do not keep moving from house to house. Whatever city you enter and they receive you, eat what is set before you and heal those who are in it who are sick. And say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whatever city you enter, they don't receive you. Go out into its streets and say, even the dust of your city which clings to our feet, we wipe off in protest against you. Yet be sure of this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I really, really like that because... um, it kind of what do we? It, it kind of takes the pressure off me if I'm going to be one of Jesus' friends and he says go. It takes the pressure because what do I need to go? I, I just nothing. I don't need anything. It's it, what a relief. He doesn't say go and I, this is by the way for those who have studied three years divinity. That's great. So glad you did it. But he doesn't say go and study theology. You don't have to do that. Um, it, it's it's really nice. He, he doesn't say you've got to take. You've got to raise loads and loads of cash. Now, I know you do raise loads and loads of cash, but you don't have to raise loads and loads of cash. You don't have to take loads of money with you. And he doesn't say you've got to be a skilled uh, doctor or nurse or plumber or carpenter or teacher. or what. It's none of that. It's none of that. He says, actually, um, don't, take any, don't take anything with you. Don't, don't um, take any of these things with you. You don't need, you don't need anything. I, I love that. It takes the pressure off. Because actually, because I, I used to think, oh, I've got to do this, I've got to be this kind of person, I've got to have these sort of skills and whatever, but I don't, you don't. 
don't have to. Just, um, just give it a go. Just give it a go and, uh, and see what happens. Uh, he, also, the people he's saying this to, if, if you read just the bit before, they're, they're, it's not like they've all got to a place where they're now really holy and they've knelt before him and they said, okay, we've now, we give you everything, Lord Jesus, and we're ready. You know how you, you feel, if I'm going to go, if I'm going to do something significant for Jesus, I've got to get my, my life sorted out. Now, that's true. Obviously, we've got to get our life sorted out and be holy and that sort of thing. I'm not saying don't, don't be holy, but actually, the bit before, the, the disciples are just rubbish, really rubbish. They're, they're, they're angry, they're prideful, um, they're fearful, they're just bickering and arguing, and they're, they're jealous of other people who are just doing really great things, and in the name of Jesus, they're not doing such great things or whatever. They're just, things are really not sorted out in their hearts. And Jesus doesn't say, okay, let's get things sorted, we'll do a sort of, I don't know, we'll do a six-week sorting out and whatever, cleansing and, and this sort of thing. He doesn't say that. They, they just had this really dreadful time, and he must have been really despairing, because they're behaving so badly, and then what he says is, okay, I want you to go now. And I'm thinking, God, I don't know about you, but I'm not sorted out. There's, there's things that emerge in my heart and thoughts I have and stuff I thought I'd kind of overcome and, and then I realize, oh, I'm really fearful, actually. Or I am really jealous of that and envious of that person and, and oh, if I, I compare myself to someone else or, or I think, oh, if only I was... If only I was more successful and better and I just wish I was more successful in this area or that area. And that's all going on in my head or it's all going on in my heart. And, and then I think, oh my goodness, I'm not, really, I'm not really ready enough to be sent by Jesus. But actually, he, he sends people like you and me who we're still dealing with stuff. We've still got some things we're trying to sort through. Interestingly, actually, when you do get sent, I don't know if you've ever been on a mission trip overseas or, or kind of more locally, but what happens to me when I go on mission trips is it gets to day, something like, usually it's day three, and suddenly my inner world crumbles and I have a crisis of confidence, or, um, or I just feel frustrated, or there's, an, for some reason, an anger about something, my expectations are not met, and, I, and then I'm, I'm just fighting on the inside, and it's in those moments when I'm serving Jesus and I'm out of my comfort zone and whatever and all this comes up, I realize what I'm like and I see what's in my heart and I see the pride and the fear or the envy or whatever. And actually what the great thing is, because I'm following Jesus really quite deliberately in those moments, he shines his light onto me and I, I know I always go, oh, please sort me out. Sort me out. I didn't realize this was here. Please sort me out. And, uh, and, and when I think, oh, I need to have all this money or all these resources to go and do this stuff, um, actually, actually we don't. Uh, actually, it, it could be for, for you, Shades Mountain Church, that um, rather than saying, okay, we've got to get everything in place and we've got to have this and that and the other, it may be that what God is saying to you is, okay, just give it a go. Just give it a go. Why don't, you, why don't you just give it a go? Don't wait for, uh, by the way, I haven't asked Danny's permission for this. Don't wait for Danny to give you permission or to appoint a load of stuff. Just give it a go. Give it a go. Go for it. Go for it. See what happens. It, it, I, I, this is a kind of, maybe it's a bit of a God thing, but I do wonder whether you're at a point as a church where actually what might happen next for you is a bit of chaos, a bit of holy chaos, 
where actually as the Holy Spirit is saying, come on, give it a go, give it a go, you begin to break out. And it wouldn't surprise me in the next few years if many, many more people started exploring faith because of your sharing faith. And then, but it's actually going a bit too rapidly or a bit too messily for how you are. It wouldn't really surprise me if actually as you give it a go and things are kicking off all over the place, that um, the Holy Spirit is working all over the place and you find it's a bit messy. I, it wouldn't surprise me. And it really wouldn't surprise me if actually in two or three years' time you find there are many, many more people as part of your community searching for Jesus in your community. But it's all kind of a bit out of order. That doesn't. I, I, as I've been praying for you, I'm thinking, I, I think that might happen. Be ready to give it a go and see where this takes you. Now it also says, Jesus says um, this lovely thing about eat what is set before you. That's quite nice, isn't it? I quite like that one. I quite like that. Eat what is set before you. Let's, uh, let's have, a, let's have a, a picture of some eating. That'd be a nice photo of some eating. This is some people eating in a nice... This is in a, a farmhouse, French farmhouse in Normandy. And they're eating some lovely food. How relevant for you, of all people. You're the food people. <laughs> Mission is all about going and finding some people to eat with. That's <clears throat> what Jesus says. It's mainly about eating. How brilliant is that? <laughs> Fabulous. I've got to go and find some people to eat with. I really like that. Not only that is, is um, I've got to find some people and they're going to feed me. I don't, have to go, I don't have to go and take them out for dinner. I don't have to give them a load of money and, and so whatever. But I've got to find some people who are going to take me out for dinner. That's awful. That's a bit weird. And then, and then what happens is, oh no, um, they've taken me out for dinner. I haven't, got any, I haven't got anything to give them, anything to offer them. All I've got actually is what Jesus has done inside me. So um, I'll give them that. I'm not going to give them money. I'm not going to give them some expertise. I'm not going to kind of... Jesus says, don't be benefactors. Don't kind of give and then they're kind of beholden to you. Serve. You actually owe them because they've just taken you out for a meal. How can you pay them back? Well, actually, you can share Jesus with them. That's lovely. That's really, really lovely. Share Jesus with them. You can, you can eat with them. What we're looking for, Jesus says, is people of peace. People who will... They'll like you. They'll listen to you. They'll chat with you. They'll become your friend. They'll eventually follow you. Not necessarily people who are really like you in every way. They may look very different. They may have some different values, actually, to you. But there's something, there's something there of the kingdom in their heart. They, they want to receive from what you've got because you have Jesus living inside you. And they want it. And when you come across people like that, when you're, it could be in your workplace or, or down your road or it could be on mission somewhere. When you come across people like that, it's not because you're exactly the same as them. It's because they are looking for the kingdom of heaven. They just don't use that language. They don't realize it yet, but they're looking for the kingdom of heaven. And you have the kingdom in your heart. You're able to share the kingdom. And what happens is those people become your friends. And then those people want to follow you. And those people seem to be pretty friendly, open-hearted people anyway. So they've got loads of friends, loads of networks. And what happens is the gospel runs through those networks. This is a really, this is a lovely mission strategy. It's really easy, isn't it? Just go and find some people to eat with and be friends with. I'm liking this. It's taking the pressure off me. I don't have to go to Bible school or theology school or whatever. I'm just going to go out and make some friends with people and see what happens. Isn't that nice? Don't you think so? We get really big in, in, kind of in the process. These really huge missionaries. Let me tell you some stories. I'm going to tell you really rapidly a few stories of people who are just giving it a go. Have you got, I don't know if you found the, have you found these cards, by the way? Have you found them? Just do, do, do grab a hold of one of these cards, actually. They'll just pass them along. So you've got one of these cards. Because what we're going to do is we, we're thinking today of, uh, 
giving it a go. Stepping out of our comfort zone. Seeing what the Holy Spirit is going to say to us uh, this evening. So have these cards ready. Let me just go through, um, through some people. So first one, I'm going to show you some, some older people in my experience who have given it a go. So a photo of, uh, first one, let's have a, let's have a photo of uh, that old guy on the screen. Okay, that's my grandfather, that old guy with the bald head. In uh, 1968, he retires at the age of 68. He's been an electrician all his life, didn't go to school, became an electrician when he was 10. And he decided he wanted to go and be a missionary with the Baptist Missionary Society. And at that time, he was the oldest missionary the Baptist Missionary Society had ever had, and they sent him to Congo. He loved it, absolutely loved it there, really loved it. And only had to come back because his wife said, you've got to come back, I don't want to join you. That was it. He loved it there. You can be... Now, in the, back, in, back in 1968, being 68 was quite old. I know now we can be 89 and still play tennis, can't we? Um, but back in, back in those days, you couldn't. You know, whatever age you are, you are in on this. Give it a go, whatever age you are. Another 68-year-old. Let's put another photo up. This is a guy called George. Uh, we, we decided to take a team to Central Asia. And uh, this guy, George, he was 68 at the time. And uh, he said, oh, can I come with you? I said to the people in Central Asia, can I bring this 68-year-old? They said, oh, he's a bit old, isn't he? He's a bit old. I said, no, 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 he's brilliant. He's a builder. He only hadn't been a Christian very long, knew nothing about the Bible. All he said, he said, look, Martin, I don't know anything really about the Bible. I, I have, I've got a very simple faith, but I can use my hands. I can build. Can I come and join you? We went out to this country. We were working in an orphanage and in a psychiatric hospital with some people at church planting out there. And what happened is it, it, it began for him 15 years of going out back and forth, taking guys with him to that place just a few months ago he died suddenly but very peacefully having spent 15 years of retirement on mission just give it a go whatever age you are give it a go another one who's on the same trip uh, another photo this is um let's put this up this is not in the green hat the one the one uh, the other side is caroline took her on that trip she was a head teacher of a school Take her on this trip. She'd never done anything like this before. She was so caught by the Holy Spirit. She was 55 at the time. She came back, resigned her position, went back out to this country, established a school in this country. Then she came back to the UK and said to some missionary organizations, I really want to serve you. They said, you're too old. She was divorced, actually. They said, oh, you've got too much baggage. Um, So she went, oh, she's a bit depressed. But um, she said, oh, I'm going to go anyway. So we sent her out anyway. She goes around Central Asia encouraging families who are on the field and need someone who's a special needs expert to look after their kids and help with their kids' education so that those missionaries can stay on the field. She does that, particularly for for American missionaries in Central Asia. She's just been asked, actually, by the government of that country we went to, to uh, establish a policy for special needs education in that place because... 16 years ago, she went there as a 55-year-old. Give it a go, whatever your age. Just give it a go, see what happens. It'll ruin your life. But hey, in a good way, in a good way. Um, Young people, young people. I don't know, know, anyone here who's seven months old? Might be. Let's have a photo of a seven-month-year-old. Uh, there we go. This is some. This is some of us having nice. Can you see the baby down the middle there? That's my daughter Beth, who's sitting over there. Okay. So uh, this is when she was seven months old. We go to this Central Asian country. You can, uh, it was all a bit messy. It was all a bit hot. She did get sick. I'm sorry about that, Beth. Um, but actually, we had a great time. We had a great. You can take your baby. Take your baby on mission. Take your baby down to, you know, I don't know, down to uh, the, the centre, city centre here. Take your baby to New York. Take your baby somewhere. Take your family with you. Uh, another, another young person. That's, um, 
Let's go to the next one. Ah, yeah, yeah. See this family? Lovely family here. See the, the, the boy in pink? Uh, Beth said, oh, Dad, why were you wearing pink? That's me. That's in the 1970s, okay? Um, that's why I was wearing pink, because it was the 1970s. Um, I, when I was nine, I went on a children's, Christian children's camp, met Jesus. Had a, had a very significant kind of encounter with Jesus when I'm nine. When I'm 11... Uh, we went on holiday somewhere. My parents, good Baptists that they are, forced us to go to church even on holiday. It's just a dreadful thing. Anyway, so we go to church. We're thinking, oh, I just want to be playing, but I'm in church. In this church, the guy is preaching. So I'm 11 years old, and he preaches not from Luke chapter 10, but from Matthew chapter 10, which is essentially the same. And he says, behold, I send you out a sheep among wolves. When he said that, I'm there, 11 year old. I've, two years before, I've had an experience of Jesus. It's like Jesus is speaking to me as an 11 year old. And he's saying, Martin, I'm sending you out a sheep as a sheep among wolves. And it just, it went right into my heart. I started crying. I'm sitting next to my brother, who's up there, and my sister, who took the photo sitting next to them. I don't want them to see what's going on with me because I'm thinking, oh, this is a bit weird. I'm in a boring church and suddenly I'm crying. But God is speaking to me. God is speaking to me saying, come on, come on, Martin. I want you, give it a go, give it a go. That never left me. That never left me. Whatever age you are, give it a go. Seven months, nine, 11, whatever. Let's go on to the next one. Oh yeah, this is my two children. This is Beth again, young. This is uh, my son, Jake. We took, went on a, a mission trip to Russia Took, took them both with us, um, with, a, with a team of people. Get to St. Petersburg Airport. This is um, a while ago, so Jake is now 20. He was kind of a, a young boy at the time. Get there. It was, the airport wasn't as good as it is now. We get there late at night. There's, a, there's a, a visa problem, so we all get through apart from little Jake. He doesn't get through. So I'm thinking, okay, sorry, mate. Uh, we'll go through. You'll just have to stay there. Not really. I, what I did, I went back. I went back out, and th- I saw this guy who looked like a Cold War KGB spy with a big hat and a long coat. And he said, "Come with me to my office." And I thought, "Oh, I was really, I was really scared." Went to this very Soviet-style office with just a big desk in it and a phone or whatever. I was really quite scared, but pretending not to be for Jake's sake, just um, you know, being very, very calm. And this guy said, I'm the only person in the airport who can ever stamp people's passports over an issue like this. It's 10.30 at night. Normally, I leave at 5. I don't know what I'm doing here because I'm never here this late, but for some reason, I'm here. I can stamp your passport. He stamped the passport. Jake comes in. There's things that can happen when you go on mission that are really quite extraordinary. You think, how is God moving here? This is, this is, I'm touching into something that's a little bit supernatural, it's a little bit special. Let's go on to the next one, another special thing. We go back to um, Russia a few years later, and I take these three 18-year-olds with me, and the guy on the right, his name is Akmal, and he's from Central Asia. We go in, we have a great time, we come out, but they don't let him out. Oh, no. So we have to say, sorry, sorry, Akmal, we're going back to the UK and you're going to have to stay in Russia. Um, How exciting is that, though? Oh, it was brilliant. It was brilliant. For me, it was kind of brilliant because I knew I was going home. For him, it was less brilliant, but it's still really exciting. Mission can be very, very exciting. He did get back eventually, by the way. Um, Next one. Next one. Oh, yeah. Do you recognize this guy? He was standing here just now in that very same pose. This is um, Steve. Steve was going with that 
woman, Caroline, who I mentioned earlier, who was the head teacher who went to Central Asia. He was going to Central Asia with her, going to the same country that that guy Akmal had, um, had come from, and that was, his, that was the reason why he got stuck in Russia. And Steve was wanting to get his, his visa done, and it didn't come through in time. So what Steve did, he went down to London, got to the embassy, was knocking on the door. He could see there's people in there ringing on the bell. No one is letting him in. No one's doing anything. So what Steve did, very exciting, Jack Bauer, 24, he leapt over the wall of the embassy. That's quite illegal. You could get shot for doing that. This, but this person comes out, and yeah, not a very happy moment, but actually Steve then gets his, his passport. How exciting! When you're on mission, you can go over walls and stuff like this and go to embassies. It's just brilliant, isn't it? Oh, it's good, it's good. It's also, when you're on mission, though, it's, it's, um, it, you can just have really normal times as well. So that's, that's all the extravagant, exciting bits. But actually, it can be really normal, but in a lovely way. So uh, another photo. Another photo. Um, this is a horse box. Uh, some, some people in our church, they, were st- this, they got other jobs, but they decided they wanted to collect stuff, like, like Tracy does, actually, downtown. Collect stuff and give it away to people who need it, particularly washing machines and beds and furniture and, and blankets and whatever. Just like, just, they were doing it just informally. And one of them, he, he bought a horse box so he could collect stuff and give it away. What's, now what happens is, is, this is much smaller than what you've got going on here, but it's just a bunch of people giving it a go. Now what happens is the police ring up or social services ring up and they say, we've got this family here, we've got that family here, we've got this. This is a bunch of volunteers who are just doing their own thing. They bought this horse box, I don't know, it cost £100, something like that, not very much. It's a bit of a rubbish horse box, but it'll do. Just give it a go, see what happens. See what happens when you do this kind of stuff. Uh, let's have another one. Okay, yeah, this lady here. She's deaf, completely deaf, and um, she's, we're training her to be a, uh, a, a minister at the moment. And what she did, she, she got to know some deaf people in the town, started a kind of little deaf community, deaf church, cafe. People have started to become Christians. Not only that, now that all the deaf groups, they're not Christian groups, they're just the deaf groups of the town, they now meet in our building because that's where it's all happening. She just decided to hang out with a few deaf people. Things are just kind of expanding. Our building now is, is, our building now is so full of people like the horse box people or people like Susan or um, job clubs or whatever or addicts coming in that we're actually going to take all the churchy people out of our building during the, during the week. We are. We found a house. We, we bought a house. We're putting all the church office people in another place so the building can just be used for people who are not Christians because it's, it's, uh, we can use it all, all week for people who are not Christians. That's because of, it's, it's kind of really normal. Uh, people like Susan doing that. Another one. Oh yeah, this guy. This is a friend of mine from uh, from India. He's a young young guy, and he was going around in a particular slum, thinking, right, I want to start a church. And so he's going around the slum and, and um, chatting to people. In the monsoons, it starts raining, uh, and and so he's drenched. He goes, gets to one woman, a Hindu woman who runs a little shop. He's completely drenched. What happens? Just like this Luke chapter 10 passage. He goes, she says, come in, let me dry you down. He's got nothing to offer. He's not even telling her about the gospel because he's just drenched. She dries him off. She sorts him out. She feeds him. And then they have a chat. What happens is um, she gives her life to Jesus. She's a person of peace. She's got a massive network. Church starts meeting in a house. Now there's three churches in that slum. Just because he kind of walked around normally in the rain and wondered what was going on and met this person, met a shopkeeper. That's all it was. Really, really normal. But then Jesus used it. It's good, isn't it? Just kind of give it a go. Have you got these, you got these cards? You got these cards? Yeah? Let's see them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, um, 
Let me read about just, um, just briefly the results of this, what we're looking for, what we're looking for. Um, so at the, at the, when they come back, have a, have a read of the, the words on the screen. The 70 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And then just goes on to say, at that very time, he rejoiced, Jesus rejoiced greatly in the Holy Spirit, and said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you've hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and revealed them to infants. Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, blessed are the eyes which see the things you see. For I say to you that many prophets and kings wished to see the things which you see and did not see them, and to hear the things which you hear and did not hear them. Just, just those three things. It is so joyful being on mission with Jesus. You, you, you know, we're, looking, we're all looking for happiness. We're thinking, oh, well, maybe some more money, or maybe this, or maybe that. How do, where do we get? Our joy comes from being on mission with Jesus. They, returned with, they were just filled with joy. This was, it was great fun, hard work, and actually lots of opposition. We know that about the disciples, but incredible joy. This is a wonderful, it's just really good to be on mission with Jesus. It's great fun. And then, how about this, that Jesus is filled with joy. I'm thinking sometimes, how, do I, how can I please you, Jesus? How can I worship you, Jesus? To think that Jesus will be filled with joy when we just hang out and we're eating with people and making friends with people. He's filled with joy. How about that? That's worship, isn't it? That's us praising him when he's filled with joy. How to praise Jesus really effectively is to go and find some people, eat with them, and share your faith with them, and make friends with them, and see what happens. Isn't that brilliant? You don't even have to have a great voice. I know the choir have got great voices, but the rest of us who haven't got great voices, we're thinking, ah, oh, how do I worship Jesus? Ah, I'll eat with people. Makes Jesus joyful. Isn't that good? And then the, and then the, uh, the, the, the final one, is we begin to see stuff that even kings are looking for. We're talking about the kingdom of heaven here. Jesus says, go and proclaim the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is what every human being is longing for. The kingdom of heaven, justice, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's what, and, and, and people don't realize it, and perhaps it's covered over with sin or with rejection or it's hardened hearts or whatever. But everyone, the reason why we work our backsides off and earn money or the reason why people are, are, are looking at pornography or the reason why people are drinking, whatever, they want justice, peace, and joy in their lives. Oh, how do I find that? That's the kingdom of heaven. Kings are looking for this. Rich people are looking for this. Celebrities are looking for this. Jesus says, you'll know, you'll see this. You'll find this when you go on mission and you just share me with other people. We glimpse stuff that people are spending loads of money to find. And we see it. What a privilege that is. What a brilliant privilege. Let me just um, tell you three more quick stories. And uh, that's kind of these, uh, these... uh, results stories. So the first one, let's have another, let's have the next image up on there. That's me at 19 with a load of little kids. That's it. You know, I said to you when I was nine, I went on this children's camp. It was in this place. So when I'm nine, I have this experience of Jesus. My mum had the same, exp- similar experience of Jesus back in the 1950s in this place. Her dad back in the 1920s in this very same place. I'm there when I'm 19. Jesus said, behold, I send you out sheep among wolves. I've got all these kids, these nine-year-olds I'm looking after. This one particular year, all the nine-year-olds said, Martin, I want to get to know Jesus. I was going, what, do you really? Hey, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe that they were all one by one by one saying, I want to follow Jesus. I'm going, you must be joking. Are you having me on? Are you having a laugh? But no, they actually meant it. All the nine, now for me, that was really special. Because I'd met Jesus when I was nine, there, 
The results of this stuff are really exciting. Let's have another image. This is um, uh, a big team going to, we took a big team to India a couple of years ago. Half of them were teenagers, half of them were adults. Probably a third of them are not Christians. They're friends of ours who are not, don't have faith, uh, but they've, they wanted to join in. They wanted to join in with the kingdom of heaven. They're people of peace, actually. And um, I went to this place where that young man, Amol, I told you about, he planted a church, went to that place. Well, I didn't go, but actually my daughter went. And um, she goes up there with, with another friend. They, they put her on the back, her and a friend on the back of a motorcycle. This is kind of late at night. I don't even know where they are. They're in some slum somewhere in the city. And uh, they take her around and say, will you pray for this family? Will you pray for this person? Beth at that time is 14. Her friend is 16. They haven't got a clue. Will you play, pray for these people who are in debt? Beth hasn't got a clue how to pray for people who are in debt. But they're saying, please pray. This guy here is under a blanket. Don't look at him. Don't touch him. Just pray for him. She's really freaked, but she prays for him. How, the, the results are amazing. Then our, the, the teenage boys in, in the picture, they went to meet some brilliant uh, young men. From, they're from northeast India. They taught football. They taught, um, they taught films. They taught politics. They taught faith. They're driving back in a minibus across the city. St- and one of them is driving. One of these uh, northeast Indians is driving. They, northeast Indians look slightly different from other Indians in their, in their, in their features. And a, and a policeman comes across when they're at a red light and just whacks this driver in the face, smashes him in the face, and then goes off. These teenage boys are like, what is that all about? We've just had this great time with these guys. Why is he here? And he said, no, it happens all the time. This just happens, I'm afraid. They got back. My son, he was there, he's 18. He he started telling the story and he just burst into tears. Because he's like, oh my goodness, I'm looking for justice and I'm seeing injustice. And what is going on with my daughter as she goes around this slum is... There's something in this. What is going on with my son is this injustice is wrong and it's wrecking him on the inside. What can I do about this? In that picture, there was a guy in the middle and he's not a Christian. He said he was an atheist when he started on the trip. Um, Big businessman, runs a huge computer firm. He's the vice president of the European arm of this US computer firm. Loaded with cash. He comes along, joins in. He's getting more and more disheveled as the the days go by. And in the end, he breaks down in tears because he's never been in anything like this before. He's never known. The Holy Spirit is getting to him. I went off to a a slum in the same city, and um, we we gathered around this little idol of Ganesh. They said, oh, can you you gather in here and tell people about Jesus? So there's a bit of worship. And then I I talked a little bit, and then said, anyone want prayer? And everyone wants prayer. So we're praying for people and praying for education and kids and this sort of thing. And there's one woman comes up and says, oh, um, they say, oh, she's got a paralyzed arm. Can you pray for a paralyzed arm? So I pray for her arm. And then I finish praying. And I think, oh, oh, no, it's not like praying for people who've got, um, for their kids because I don't know if her arm, this is embarrassing because I'm going to say, well, I prayed for your arm and I'm sure it'll get better one day. So I thought, oh, I'll pray again. So I prayed again just to kind of mark time because I was so worried about the fact that I was praying for her, but she's got a paralyzed arm and, and nothing was going to happen and whatever. So in the end, I, I said, okay, uh, how about, are you feeling any better? Can you move your arm or anything like that? And she moved her arm. She just, it, was, it was completely healed. It was completely healed. She, I, was, I was going, oh, I can't believe that. She's going, it's normal for her. She's going, thank you very much. Thank you. That's great. That's what I came here for, to be healed. I'm thinking, oh my goodness. How did that happen? I'm kind of praying these worried prayers. I haven't got a clue what I'm praying. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not a healer. I can't heal anyone. It's just the results are incredible. They, they change your mind. They change your heart. It's incredible what happens. And then finally, let's go back to the, the one in France. 
sitting in this farmhouse. Um, basically, there's a farmhouse in France. It's a mission center. Young adults go there all through the year. Every year, they go out on mission to different countries. What they've done, they're praying all the time. What they've done is they've planted two churches in that part of Normandy, a third one on the way. This just ha- these are the results. If you just go on a week's mission, somewhere as easy as France, where it's, can you see in, in the picture, it's, it's camembert cheese, it's lovely crusty bread, it's beautiful. It's beautiful eating in France. And what happens, the results are, people get saved, people's lives get changed, minds get changed. This is exciting stuff, isn't it? Isn't it exciting? Give it a go. Why, don't, why not give it a go? If you've done it before and you think, well, I've done it. Give it another go and actually get yourself into a place where your heart is revealed and all that fear, all that pride or whatever, God reveals it and he goes, I'm going to do something with that now for you so you're no longer trapped. If you've been before, go again. If you've never been, now's your opportunity. This year is your opportunity. Give it a go. If you're in this church and you're, kind of, you're, you're a lovely active member of this church, but actually there's loads of stuff you see around that the kingdom of heaven could come in people's lives, give it a go. Give it a go. Go for it. Let's grab these, um, let's grab these cards. Because what you can do is you could tick, okay, I feel that God is sending me. He's speaking to me. And this is, I'm out of here. I'm, I'm going somewhere. And I know, it may well be that you've known that for a while. That God is stirring in you and you are going to have to do something about it. And you might want to tick that. Or it could be that um, you're ready to go on a week or two or few weeks of mission service, getting behind, preparing, helping people, praying actively for this. Or in your, I don't know, in your neighborhood at work, that you're going to say, I am going to look for people of peace in my work. I'm going to share faith with them and I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to see what happens. And maybe it says here, you've made a previous commitment and you want to reaffirm that. I wouldn't be surprised if... if um, you know, as the Holy Spirit is, is around us now, you already he's spoken to you, already. Already you know what he's saying to you. You know that there's something exciting for you. You know that it might look very normal, but it's going to be incredible in your own life. You know it. And this year, next 12 months, life-changing. Life-changing. As you pursue that call and see what happens, whatever age, in your 60s, you're nine years old, whatever it is. So how about Logan? Where's, where's Logan? Where are you, mate? You're there. Logan, just come and, just come and uh, play for us. And um, have a think. Just what's the Holy Spirit saying to you now? And have a look at the card. And just um, if there's any kind of prayer thing you want to write on that card, if you want to tick one of those boxes, what's the Holy Spirit saying? Logan's going to play. Musicians are going to play just quietly. And then we'll, we'll pray together. Just have a think, quietly on your own. And then make a mark on the card.
remember Jesus said, um, you don't have to take stuff with you. You don't have to be really qualified. Obviously, if you're going to be long-term somewhere, you need to speak the language. Or It's helpful to, to have language. It's helpful to have some skills. It's great that we've uh, collected some money and offered it to the Lord. But actually, this is about our hearts. This is about the kind of lives we're going to live. Is it going to be a kingdom of heaven life? Or is it just going to be an earthbound life? Which is okay. But you miss out on what kings are looking for. That's what this is. This is the kingdom of heaven. There's nothing as exciting as the kingdom. This is our chance to say, yeah, I'll get out there. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to give it a go. I'm going to give it a go. So I'm going to pray. And um, as I pray, just hold on to that card. And be ready to let the Holy Spirit put his finger on your heart, even if there's some pressure from him. And it's awkward because he's it's actually you're squirming a little bit or you know there's some challenge. Even Just let him do that. Let him do that as I pray. And then uh, Logan's going to lead us in a song and I'm just going to ask you to come and bring these cards out here. This is your sign to Jesus saying, okay, I'm giving it a go. So let me pray. Yeah, Jesus, um, thank you that you, you, we're a kind of ragtag bunch and we're not all sorted. There's things that we're still struggling with, but you like us and you love us and you've put your Holy Spirit inside of us. And even as we are, you're saying, will you go for me? I'm sending you. I'm sending you as you are. Thank you, Jesus, that um, we can just go without having loads and loads of equipment with us that will rely on the people we're going to minister to. Thank you, Jesus, that this is about real life. It's about friendships. It's about chatting with people. It's about sharing heart. It's about eating with people. It's actually right up our street. We thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for what it means to be on mission with you, Jesus. Thank you. Holy Spirit, I pray now that you would be working in our hearts and minds to make deeper and deeper and deeper commitments to you. Big commitments. Where you say to us, I'm sending you as sheep among wolves. I am sending you. I'm calling you. Holy Spirit, will you put that call deeper and deeper within us? Whatever that means, whatever that takes, whatever changes that mean for us, God, that we will be ready to lay it on the line, take our family, go at whatever age, actually adjust what we do, change our view of career and ambition, that actually, God, this would define our lives. We want to give it a go. Holy Spirit, will you hover over the members of this church particularly? as they may see how you will lead them to people of peace in their community, people who don't yet know you, but actually the kingdom of heaven is all around them, that it would make such a difference in their lives and ultimately a massive difference to this church as a whole lot of people come pouring in to the family of God. Holy Spirit, would you put a new excitement and a new faith and a new vision to absolutely fill these buildings with new members of the family. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Convict us and excite us. Fill us with joy. 
as we worship and praise you through our service. We bless you, Lord. We commit ourselves to you now. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Okay.